So if you know anything about us here at Fourth Along, you will know that from the day one, from ever since it was announced, we were huge fans of the XFL and the XFL making its return uh, this year in 2020. Unfortunately, there are some things that went wrong with the season, most mostly related to uh, you know a whole pandemic. But nonetheless, we were able to interview and sit down, have the opportunity to talk to the cornerback coach of the Houston Roughnecks. May I add the uncrowned XFL champions, Houston Roughnecks, but we were able to talk about what it was like when the XFL was playing, the future of the XFL, some software related to the NFL, and a whole lot more. I had a great time during this interview. Lots of thanks to Coach Darius Bell for being able to sit down and take his time to talk about this, and I hope you guys enjoy. What was it like when this league was first coming back, and what was it like getting into the, the start of this pretty much new um, league? I mean, it was exciting. I mean, I think everything leading up to that point before the season started was first class. I thought we had first class um, leadership from Oliver Luck. I thought that they went out and hired very notable name coaches to make the league feel more um, legitimate. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought I thought the, the TV deals was great. You know, the media uh, outlets and, and, and uh, production and the way that we were being exposed to the uh, country, I thought everything was first class. I thought everything about it was good, you know. Um, it was just unfortunate, you know, the coronavirus, you know, shut us down halfway. But I, w- I, I think that, you know, most of the fans were really starting to be engaged, and that's one of the main reasons for why somebody like The Rock would, you know, come back and want to restart it, you know, because um, of the hype and the excitement. And if we were halfway through, you never know what the championship game was going to be like, you know, but everything leading up, you know, will make you believe that it was going to be pretty exciting. <clears throat> there is nothing that I could, that would say otherwise, really. And the, it's not like the league was doing bad or it was probably, it likely was going to do well that year. They were looking at revenue projections of over $20 million, which mm-hmm. is, Pretty good for for a first year back. Way better than when they first tried to start this thing in two thousand one. Yeah. There was a lot of success. There was a lot of really good things that came from the XFL too. Not gonna lie, I loved how um almost interactive and personal felt from being able to have almost all the players mic'd up. You know the instant um, sideline mm-hmm. interviews, having the the coaches mic'd up as well. What yeah. was it like, kind of being under that thing where it? almost unprecedented levels of kind of insight to the game. Was it weird being like that mic'd up and that kind of published? Yeah, 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 it was a few moments that we definitely, as a coaching staff, had to um, catch ourselves. We had an instance um, during week one, and I remember vividly I had to go and tell the defensive coordinator to hold it down because he was a <laughs> much older guy named Ted Cottrell. Yeah. And he had, he had already forgot about how much access we was given to the media and he was finna rip like he was finna completely rip the defense and so i walked up to him like coach wait you're on tv and she said you know what i'll get back to you guys but all in all i really thought that was good too once we started to realize and kind of get you know the understanding that you 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 got to watch what you're saying right you know but yeah i mean it was a good deal but you know one thing that kind of went unnoticed with the uh with the interaction with the, with the fans was I never been to a pro game to where pregame 
you had fans actually on the field with the players. Like they could they could be as close as basically the sideline. Mm-hmm. And it was a really good, you know, gauge for younger kids trying to make it to a pro level, really seeing how big these dudes are, seeing how fast they move in pre now once the game started they had to go back into the stands, but mm-hmm. I never saw that before, and I thought that was real. I mean, I remember we was going to play Tampa Bay, and I was just playing pitch and catch with a kid right before my guys came out, you know, in the warm-up line. So, I mean, it's stuff like that that's mm-hmm. kind of priceless, and, and that, that you know, I thought was really, really well done. As a kid, that's super cool, but that's also really smart, I guess, from a, almost like a PR and marketing perspective where you're really, like, bringing fans super personal into the game and that could right. definitely bring a lot more people on board. And I think that's really smart of um, yeah. what the league was doing. Oliver Luck is one hell of a football mind when it comes to running a league, running teams, and marketing. Yes, yes. I did a really good job. Yeah, I think one of my favorite things I saw him do is one of my favorite parts. I know it, it wasn't the Roughnecks, but it was the DC Defenders. How they, you know, yeah. how they had the beer snake in the crowd. Yeah. 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 What other league would you have the commissioner of the league come in and add <laughs> to the beer snake? Yeah, yeah, that was good. I mean, again, goes to show how personable he was. I mean, I met him quite a few times, mm-hmm. and he was always just a really nice, personable person, and he understood the atmosphere. He understood he was trying to build a league and get fans to stick around and stay. So why not, you know, add a beer to it, you know? Right. So it made sense to me. You never see Roger Goodell do something like that now, would you? <laughs> no, 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 Roger ain't going to do that. No, <laughs> no. Not necessarily. He don't really necessarily have to do it either. I would give him. You know, credit for that. That league been standing for a long time, mm-hmm. and, and 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 Oliver was trying to build something. So I, I understand. Yeah. Now there's a difference between if we want to talk about and like kind of focus on that. There is a solid, huge difference, really, between the NFL and the XFL. It was almost like did you, did you ever really think that um to just I guess uh, truthfully is there ever a time where we could actually see the XFL compete with the NFL or is it always going to kind of be not in the shadow, but just not at the same level. Man, the only reason how I feel like that could ever take place financially, you have to pay players mm-hmm. to the point where you could possibly take some of those kind of guys. If that never happens, then no, you would never, you would never in theory compete with them because all the big time players are gonna go where the money is. And so, exactly. uh, could you technically do it? Yes, you could. I mean, it's been done before back in the USL day, USFL day. They had guys big name guys going to play away from the NFL. So it has been done, but at the same time, they were paying multi-millions of dollars as well. They was playing in the spring. They were paying multi-millions of dollars for those guys. And so, I mean, I guess it could be done, but unless you get to that point, you know, it, it, it'll always be a backup. But with that being said, still quality play football. I thought yes. some of those athletes that was in that league were just as good as guys in the NFL, needed a little more film, needed a little more – you know, notoriety, and obviously they got back there. And so uh, it's going to be quality football, but, you know, the main thing that will make you compete with the NFL will be, you know, finances. And with that quality of football, that was one of the things that was, I guess, um, I wasn't really su- surprised by it because I was expecting there to be talent based week. And just from name value, there was a lot of really good players in the XFL, but it was just nice to see um, – almost my guess is justified in a way to like a lot, a lot of people doubting it. But then mm-hmm. we have, we've had tens and tens and tens of players signing with the, the NFL, especially, you know, your very own PJ Walker MVP, oh, yeah. MVP PJ Walker. If we oh want yeah. To. MVP Walker, yeah. 
PJ, really great dude, really good player. I actually coached against him in college too. You know, when we was at SMU, he was at Temple. <laughs> yeah. Coached and he was really good then too. Like we were not surprised. I remember me and June, we had a conversation. We were talking about taking quarterbacks. He was like, I'm thinking I'm gonna take PJ. I'm like, coach, we need to do that. And just thankfully we did, because that boy, he could really play in this show. And uh, not just him, you know, I had some secondary guys that got an opportunity. One of my guys went to the Cowboys, Savion Smith. One of them went to um, the Saints, um, Dietrich Nichols. He got released, but now he re-got picked up by the Miami Dolphins. And truthfully, I thought I was going to have more guys. We had two linebackers go. Uh, 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 the Marquise Gates went to Minnesota. And then we had um, – I can't remember the other guy, but he ended up going to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, he was number 51 for us. Man, it's slipping my mind right now. But and that's just on our team. And we had all we had a few offensive linemen go. We had mm-hmm. had a kicker go back to the CFL. We had another receiver go back to the CFL. You know, I think the quality of play, and that's just on one team. You know, we had, you know, just going in week in and week out, we would do a scout report and it was multiple players every week. Okay, when he was playing with the Giants. So he was playing with this and that. So it was plenty of guys that had already been in the NFL. I had a group of ten players. All 10 of those guys had some time in the NFL. So mm-hmm. that just goes to show uh, the competition level, you know, at least from our team, we, I mean, it was tight. You know, it was tough week in and week out making the decision on who was traveling, who was going to play. Like, it was, it was it was a real tight, tough road. So, Well, that's a really good problem to have, especially in really you know, good. The, yeah. the first year of it. I was surprised. Like, one of the biggest things, I know you're a defensive guy, but I think we could all agree, you know, I might have a little bias for my offensive lineman. But almost like one of the biggest signs to, to talent level and seeing how well a team can do is how quickly that offensive line kind of plays together. Yeah. And we could mm-hmm. see that from a lot of – we saw a lot of teams be able to have that from week one. And mm-hmm. that was probably like one of the biggest question marks is how are these offensive lines going to do? And they yeah. they impressed. And Yeah, they did, a good, they did a good job. I mean, you know, and that's really the truth. The offensive line is always the biggest um, gauge on the quality – of football you will see i think between the offensive lineman being better than what most people thought and then the quarterbacks being athletic really helped those guys do well that's why some of the top teams in the league had some of the more athletic quarterbacks pj walker um uh, uh jordan tamu um uh even the guy from la he started to come around guys that could really help the offensive lineman as well but they were at the same time better than what was expected for sure. Mm-hmm. And that it was just a, a blast. But like um, when the league was still going on, we had a lot of praise on our show about the XFL for other things. We we're talking about the the interviews, talking about like the halftime access, being able to be into the locker rooms, being able yeah. to see the the position conversations that the coaches were having with the players, and that was a blast of fun. And then also. Um, the I think one of my favorite parts was like the the officiating, and mm-hmm. how we could actually see the um, replay official actually walk us through, you know the rulings and stuff like that. And it was almost just the um, I guess the transparency of the league. Mm-hmm. So what was it yeah. like being able to be in the league that was it was it as so it was transparent to the fans. Was the league transparent with like the coaches and the players and staff as well with the operations and kind of like yeah, the decision making. We will be seeing the same things you guys were seeing. I don't, I'm not understanding if I'm answering the question, but if you're talking about specifically about the referees, mm-hmm. yeah, we will see exactly what you guys were seeing. Uh, and so that was good to get the um, 
the idea or the thoughts behind whether a play was complete or incomplete or whatever the case may have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think transparency is really good, you know, at times. And it also showed flaws, too. Like, if they were like, what? You know, like, yeah, I can't right. believe you saw it like that. But at least you understand what's going on. It's not just coming out of nowhere. Yeah. It's on yeah, some so. dude in New York that we have no idea who's making the calls, like the NFL <laughs> right. just coming up with this, some random call that pisses everyone off. <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Yeah, you had a great point. Like, it might be a call that we disagree with, but at least we know their thought process. So that makes Correct. it not as bad, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think the NFL, you know, and I don't want to speak for the NFL. I'm nobody, but <laughs> <laughs> I think that they thought they saw a lot of things that they liked as well. You know, you know, mm-hmm. I know the kickoff rule was something that they really thought hard about. You know. I'm never. I'm not sure what they would ever do with you know transparency with the refs, but you know I don't see why not. I don't think that would hurt the game in no way. You know, mm-hmm. I think a few things that we did specifically that kickoff rule. I know it was talked about a lot. You what know, did you think way, about you know, that? Because I was really hesitant on it, but yeah, on paper it was weird, but like actually seeing it in person and seeing it actually be used, I thought yeah. it was a really good kind of compromise between. Not taking away the kickoff rule, but making it safer. What were your thoughts on that? Initially, we all, as a staff, didn't really like it, but we started jotting down schemes. Uh, the special team coach, Dennis McKnight, he was just like, I want everybody to just kind of jot down what you think we should do with this because it's new to everybody. Nobody mm-hmm. knows. And so we jot down, you know, everybody had two or three thoughts. We came up with what we thought was the best. We, we got together as a staff and we just – it ended up being one of our favorite deals. Like we ended up really enjoying it. Like, you know, uh, it was very creative. Some of the ways that you have to think about how to return and set up walls and leverage and angles. Mm-hmm. And even on the kickoff side, kickoff side wasn't really that different because you just just kind of further along down the field. But the kickoff return side was the was the side that was a that was a little more scheming and game planning, but. After a while, we I know we had one of the, the top return teams in the league as well. It, it was ended up being fun for us, really did. And then let's talk about the, some of the other rule changes. That was is the XFL was almost like I guess experimenting with some mm-hmm. of this stuff and seeing how we could change the game, change the pace of it. And so mm-hmm. talk about I guess um, from a defensive perspective, especially the pl- the point after plays, whether it be a uh, from the ten yards you can go for a three pointer. From the five yard, you can go for a two pointer, or from the basic three yard, you can go for the one pointer. What was it like having to scheme against that? And um, did you almost just keep kind of like a basic red zone defense in that, or yeah. walk us through that? Yeah, that that basically what it was. I mean, we we saw what teams did, and I took every two point play every week or whatever. Some play two point play, whatever extra point situation they would like to use, mm-hmm. and we watched that in a completely separate clip. And uh, but it really didn't change what we were going to do defensively. It was all about where they were going to get the ball. If they wanted to do it from the 10, we was going to run our 10 yard red zone defense. If they were going to get it from the five, we we're going to run our a five yard red zone defense. And really, the three yard and five yard are kind of the same. So it really didn't affect us defensively. It just gave us more opportunity to play red zone defense, basically. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it was, I, I enjoyed it. I thought mm-hmm. that it was a really really smart and fun idea and i thought that was another situation that you know probably will get adopted sometime in the future you know i i enjoy putting your best players on the field and having them you know uh, uh 
get extra points in one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed when June liked going for three. At first, I think the league, I think the defense was kind of winning a lot, you know, um, but I think the offense is started getting, you know, well, we didn't get that far in the season, but around game five, mm-hmm. you know, you can see offense is starting to catch up a little bit. So I thought it was a smart idea, but defensively it didn't really change much of what we did at all. And then did this kind of other offensive change uh, your defensive kind of scheme against with the double forward pass? Um, we didn't see it too often, but when it was used, it was used fairly effectively. So what was it like having to practice against this and kind of game plan for this in case it happened in the game? Yeah, I mean, I, hopefully we get to come back. I used to talk to June about this a lot, specifically me and June, because being a secondary coach, you're the guy that's most at risk. And, uh, you know, I just always – I don't I don't really want to give it away because I don't, I don't know if we're going to come back with the same no rules. No, no, no. But <laughs> it, definitely, it definitely affected the coaching in the secondary uh, as far as we had to be a little slower before we rallied to the ball, knowing that they could possibly throw another pass, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with that being said. So, yeah. And then, unfortunately, uh, we never actually saw us in a regular season game. But I'm sure you had to practice with it, and that was the new rule. Um, the overtime kind of changes with it going to more of a shootout and like a kind of just almost like a kind of hockey kind of overtime. So, unfortunately, we never saw it in the game, which was a little disappointing. Hopefully, next season, which we'll mm-hmm. talk about in a sec. But what was it like practicing um, with this and trying to scheme up? Did it change overtime play at all? Well, overtime play uh, again. We never, we never saw it, but we did have to practice it. We scrimmaged against uh, one of the teams, and we, and we got to use it. Uh, I mean, it was cool. Uh, I can't remember the specific rules on the overtime, but I do know it was a shootout situation. I know if the mm-hmm. defense, if we, if we got a fumble or if we caught an interception, we could not return it. It really didn't matter. It was just they either get a point for getting the ball across the line yep. or not. Um, I don't remember the exact yard line. It was, was, um, it was on the five-yard line. It was uh, okay. five rounds yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, five rounds. I mean, it was cool. I mean, I thought it would have been a great, uh, another great change up. And it's again, it's a way that you know you give both teams a fair chance to uh, you know shoot it out. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, sometimes with the NFL rules, you feel like you got robbed a little bit. I mean, don't get me wrong. I do think that they have fixed it now with the way that they do it now. It used to be first person score wins. Oh, uh, then you get like a 50-yard field goal to end the game. Super anticlimactic. Yes, <laughs> and so I do think that they have fixed that in mm-hmm. a better way. Now, if you get a field goal, the other team get an opportunity to go down and score as long as you don't give up seven points, I mean, six points at first. But with this, it's similar to college in the way that it's it's fair on both sides. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm kind of a fan of that. And, uh, you know, again, you get your you get your best 11 players the opportunity to win the game. So, yeah. Exactly. And then – I have always enjoyed the college overtime rule more. I think it's, um, I guess, well, not necessarily fair because I do believe that the NFL one's fairly fair. Like, if you want to be on offense, make a defensive stop. It's you, know, you got to be able to play both sides of the ball. Right. But college is super fun. I've been in a couple of shootouts myself, going to like three, four overtimes, and that's always super exciting. So personally, mm-hmm. you, which one do you prefer? You prefer the college style or the NFL style? Yeah, currently, I would, I would, I would. I would have to go with college. Yeah, I would have to go with college. I just think that I think that the other team need an opportunity to score, and and if if they you know if they can't score with that opportunity, they lose. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I, 
I gotta say this though, I do like the way the NFL has went now. You know, initially I didn't used to like it at all. Yeah. I didn't I didn't used to like it at all. I do like it way more now. The fact that if you get six points, the game is over. If you get three, the other team get an opportunity. So that's not really as bad anymore either. But I was still probably leaning towards college all in all. Mm-hmm. And then um, we all know you had your career at SMU. And so when you're a player, did you ever get caught in like any sort of these shootout in overtime, super close stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My first two years in college, I probably played six or seven overtime games. We was terrible on defense. We could score like no other. We, <laughs> we were probably averaging 30 points a game, but we was giving up 30. And so we found ourselves in many. I mean, if you would go look back at 2007 and 2008, I guarantee it was probably seven or eight overtime games played between those two years. That's a lot. Yeah, I'm probably that's probably most in the country over that time span. I'd be willing to bet at least like top three. <laughs> yeah, for Guess sure. Tonight, I mean, it's a little nerve wracking, yeah. but it's pretty fun yeah. being overtime. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. I mean, it's crunch time. It's clutch time. Prime time players step up, whatever, you know, with all the sands that need to be said, big time players make big time plays, big time situations. That's it. Like, that's the big time situation. So, I didn't have any problem with it. Wish we wish we could have just won straight out some of those games, though. <laughs> yeah, save the blood pressure a little bit, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and, that, and now let's kind of talk about the future, potential future of the league. So, a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, we had The Rock. Dwayne Johnson and um, among a team of investors go out and buy the league uh, when it went for auction pretty much after Vince McMahon um, a number of months ago had um, pretty much announced bankruptcy with the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw a little bit of drama with like some former kind of um, people, members of the, uh, the XFL organization trying to dispute it because they didn't get their money from the bankruptcy. whole bunch of, I guess, legal drama that – Honestly, I'm not well-versed on. I'm more of, you know, the actual football, not the legal stuff. <laughs> but the short, long story short, The Rock is one of the owners of the league. And so where do you see the, the future of the league going? Are we coming back? Are we going to have another big season? Have there been talks already? Oh, well, I'm hopeful that we do come back. You know, I don't, I don't know, you know, I just know that they're, you know, they're still kind of, dealing with some of the legal deals. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know it's a big date, August the 21st. I think that's this Friday coming up. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. You know, I'm looking forward to uh, new ownership. I think that The Rock, you know, with his uh, football playing background and then with his successful business ventures, you know, whatever he has done has been successful. You know, uh, I'm excited about it. You know, I'm, I'm excited about it. I think he got a really good um, – uh, perception across the country you know I think a lot of people like him and I'm looking forward to see what he could do with the league you know I'm, I'm looking forward to see if he keep things a lot of things the same or if he or if he changed a lot of things so I'm optimistic about coming back you know hopefully this COVID stuff kind of slows down and you know uh, let, let's us uh, you know get back out there and, and do what we want to do mm-hmm. I am sure us sports fans any kind of citizen is crossing your fingers and hope that uh, next year is a little more normal shall we say and we yeah. can see the return of it um i am super optimistic i love the fact that the rock by considering his story his his ultimate underdog story how he didn't make it in football he had like some time in the cfl but never really right. made it um he we all know the story he has a man with like three dollars in his pocket and now he's one of the 
most um he's probably like he is the most paid hollywood actor of all time and so it's yeah. a true underdog story so and love the fact that what i loved about the xfl is that um it gave players kind of second opportunity to to make it big you know whether they were coming back from the nfl whether they never got good looks at college right. um and so that was one of the cooler parts um and so it's i'm sure that the rock is going to do something great with it also yeah, the personality of the Rock is the owner, so that has to be exciting. Yeah, I mean that's that's a big deal. I, you know, I've been a Rock fan back when he was a wrestler. You know, I was a young guy at the time. <laughs> I used to do the uh, people's elbow and, and everything. You know, rock bottom. You know, I, I you know me. You know, I felt like I was him when he was going against Stone Cold, and I love Stone Cold. So big personality, you know, and and I know a lot of people like him, man. And I know, you know, even. One you know, he into movies and all that kind of stuff. Everything he's touched been successful, and so I'm just hoping that, you know, he continue the right, you know, right way as far as the NFL, I mean XFL goes with mm-hmm. that. You know, and it's not like the XFL kind of left off on a bad foot. In fact, you guys are almost building momentum uh, before the league was canceled. Whereas like fan support as well. And those Houston games over you guys uh, played at the University of Houston. Those games mm-hmm. were pr- fairly packed. Along with yeah, we had in Seattle in, in DC and stuff like that. So, what was it like having that fan support almost from the get go? It was, it was beautiful. Actually, it was shocking to be honest. Like I thought, you know, our team president Brian Michael Cooper did a really good job hustling, going out, uh, uh, you know, getting uh, uh, posters put on trains and buses, and and, and having them uh, drive around the city and building a fan base out of nothing. I mean, I can't imagine really how hard that is. It also goes to show the love for football in specific states as well. You know, you look at Texas, we always been known as a state that love football and going to show up. You know, we we had a really good crowd. They were loud. You know, St. Louis had a very, very good, loud crowd. Seattle had a really, really loud, good crowd. Um, I was surprised even about the Tampa Bay crowd. We went out there. And uh, it was loud. It, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't as full, but they were they were they were rocking. You know, you can tell the love for football is all over, and you know, don't just have to be in the party. You can tell that those those people that came out and supported. And then as we continued to win, we would have meetings. You know, uh, some of our, uh, 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 some of our media guys would come and tell us, "Y'all got to be more prepared this week because you know we're gonna have this," and they're giving they like, siphoning off tickets and all this kind of stuff. So. All in all, it was a beautiful thing, you know, and uh, I know that's the type of momentum, you know, hopefully the new owners would like to continue to build off of it. You know, you don't want to, you know, have that die out and then try to rebuild it. It's mm-hmm. right here. It's, it's ready to go. And so hopefully, you know, we get going. Mm-hmm. And what's nice is that these, there's still the fence for like on places like Twitter, like the XFL Reddit and stuff like that. That's how we got in contact because I uh, saw you, uh, you know, like and retweeting some of my stuff on Twitter. Which yeah, was a yeah. great, you know, shout out to uh, the biz. It was about the, uh, the um, was it the Texas Throwdown, which was easily yeah. my favorite game of the season. That was yeah. a lot of fun. So um, can we talk about that for just a quick second? What was it like having, it was a rivalry game, you know, Houston versus Dallas. It's the first mm-hmm. year of it. So, I mean, it's almost kind of, it's not like a, a rivalry in the sense where it has like this tr- background to it and like actual reason to hate besides just, being opposing cities but what was it like being in that atmosphere because it was a it was a tough game yeah oh real quick just about the xfl and liking tweets and probably like anybody who is in support of the xfl 
uh, I feel like we all kind of in this together. I mean, fans and, and coaches or ex-players, we all wanted to come back. We all want to, you know, have something to write about or, or have something to do, coach, whatever the case may be. So I'm very supportive of who supports the league and who support me, just like you support myself. As far as the Houston and Dallas rivalry, so I, I played at SMU, which is in Dallas. I'm from mm-hmm. Dallas, Texas. So I always normally been on the Dallas side of the rival. We come down here, play against the University of Houston or play against Rice, something like that. I'm always been on the Dallas side. So it was interesting to see this side. But, you know, it's a rivalry built out of nowhere. You could easily make this rivalry. You can go have, a, a, a you know, a soccer team mm-hmm. in Houston and a soccer team in Dallas. It's going to be a big deal. You know, it's just people don't, you know, people don't like each other for some reason. But it was a great it was, I thought it was greatly built up. You know, I thought the, the league did a really good job building it up. You had some of the, you know, more profile name guys from Landry Jones and uh, Curtis Artis Payne, the the, uh, the running back they had up there. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you're talking about our guys from P.J. Walker, you know, to, to, to Sammy Coates, to to many of the defensive players that we had. And, and it was it was easily built up and a lot of the guys wasn't even from Dallas or Houston it was just they could feel it they could they could feel that that energy that hatred and we went up there and then the game even you know it even uh it lived up to you know what you know what it was supposed to be oh, yeah. so you know we kind of jumped out there you know I think we had three interceptions that game my guys did a really good job we we talked about a lot of things yeah, you and guys messed up Landry Jones bad <laughs> Yeah, I used to coach with Hal Mummy. You know, I used really? to coach with him in SMU. So we kind of had some uh, – we kind of had a little leg up on him, you know, and because uh, he used to coach with us, yeah. me, June, and all us back when we was at SMU. So we kind of had a leg up on him, and it kind of showed early, but they still fought, and it, it ended up being – it probably was one of the better games I've ever been involved with in my lifetime. Really? Yeah, like I mean, how the game ended – had that game ended from an interception on a two-yard line that was finished. We about to, I can't remember if we were going to lose or if they were going to tie it up, but it, it was super close. And it was a tip ball, hit the dude in the face, and dude catch it with one hand. Come on, man. <laughs> I mean, they could very well tie on that because it was only, um, you guys only won by seven. And as we know, right. you can score nine points uh, on one possession. So it really yeah. did come down to that play, which was, yeah. oh, man. Yeah, that, that was- if I was having a good time when watching from home, you guys must have a great time watching from the sideline. Well, truth be told, while you actually in it, it's a little nerve wracking. But once you get to rewatch it on the back end, oh, it was a really good game. Really good. <laughs> it's even better when you win. Oh, well, that's all you guys did. You know, five and zero. Yeah. Let's talk about the you know the uncrowned champs. Unfortunately, you guys were unable to um to to finish the season. It was it was probably looking like. Honestly, I was predicting something like roughnecks and battle um, in the in St. Louis Battlehawks because you guys had also had a very competitive game as well. Um, was that that was uh, week, week two, two, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, week week two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, twenty eight, twenty four, really close one right there. Great, super tight. they have a good team. They had a great team in St. Louis. Um, it was fun. Jordan Talmu was uh, it was he was a great talent. You know, maybe no MVP Jay Walker, but he was. Uh, very good in his own right. And so um, there's a lot of really exciting games throughout that season. The league did so many smart things. We had a few scrimmages before we actually got to game one. Mm-hmm. And they went. Um, we played. We, we scrimmaged Tampa Bay, who was our week three opponent. We scrimmaged, um, we scrimmaged St. Louis, who was our week two opponent. And then we scrimmaged 
um, the LA Wildcats, who was our week one opponent. So it was all purposefully done so we can have some type of familiarity for you just take the field with somebody so you can you kind of know what's going on. Even though it was kind of generic, uh, it still gave us a good clue of the type of player that we were going to be playing against. And, you know, I I really challenged my guys in those scrimmages, go out here and really give it to all, you know, because we can't lose right now. Go really test these guys. Go see what they got right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, get in, get in them. And so, long story short, we had a little bit of familiarity with us, uh, the St. Louis team. They were a really good team. They were physical. They ran the ball well. The quarterback was super athletic. They did a good job of RPOs. They had a receiver, um, personnel that was a really good player, made big plays for them. And, uh, you know, I – you know, I think a lot of people would have thought that it would have ended up being us in St. Louis in Houston, you know, for the title. And, I, and I'm not, you know, a lot of things could have happened, but, you know, it was kind of leaning that way. We had a tough week coming up with the New York team. They had some really stout running backs, and it was going to be a, you know, a tough battle. We was going to fly up there before it got closed down. But yeah, that we New felt York team was out. interesting. Uh, yeah. They had, like, kind of highs and lows. They had shutouts. They had put up a lot of offense. You know, beat up the, on the Renegades 38-12 in the last week of the season. But yeah. then there's other games where they just kind of don't show up. So it, that New York team was, was really interesting to me. Um, so was that D.C. team where Cradle Jones and that defense started off really hot. And then they kind of just it, – it, it was a sharp decline. Which was, yeah, it, fizzled, it fizzled out quite a bit. You know, they, they started out looking really, really sharp. And uh, I don't – you know, I can't really speak for them. I don't really know what happened. Just from watching it, though, it was interesting, I think we could say. And so a couple of things about this. We talked a lot great things about the league. And you personally, what did you like most about being a part of this um, first season of the XFL? What were your kind of favorite memories, your favorite changes in the league, or just all-around good times that you had? Man, I really liked everything. I liked the whole build-up. I liked being a part of something brand new. We talked about making history. We talked about being – the first team in a, in a brand new league and being able to make history by winning the championship. We didn't know we were going to be undefeated or not, but we, we was on, we was on pace. I mean, uh, the guys that I had, they were all really, really good dudes. They, they, they came to work every day, you know, also being with a coaching staff that I'm very familiar with. I played for the head coach. I played under a lot of the, the coaches that I was coaching with. So that was good. And just the camaraderie of our team, um, you know the winning. You know I can I mean I really don't have a lot of bad things to say. You know a lot about the league was great. You know, and again I I, I don't have really a lot of bad things to say about how the league went. It was mm-hmm. it was good. It was just unfortunate. You know exactly. from from COVID to just shut it down like that. That's that's really all I can say. And now if you were to, um, of course, the league did a lot of things right from top bottom to bottom level. What would you change if you could change anything um, once the league hopefully comes back in 2021? Uh, that's, that's a tough question, seeing how I really didn't disagree with a lot of things. I mean, I, I really don't know. I thought I thought it was did pretty well, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe – I mean, I really don't know. You that's know, fair. I, really, I, really I, I just know. wanted to see what, what, what you had to think about that. And what impressed me the most, really, like I guess in off-field stuff, was the yeah. marketing of the league. They did uh-huh. a phenomenal job with that. They yeah, had me yeah. uh I was just kinda I'm just a football head, so I love seeing another league. Also, who can complain about springtime football? 
So if we get year-round football, man, I'm super happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. It's, and again, I feel like they did a good job with that. They they picked a few markets that they thought that, you know, they did a survey of how many fans were in specific places and wanted to see more football. Even mm-hmm. LA, a lot of people didn't think LA guys were going to show up. They had a good crowd, you know. I mean, obviously it's not an NFL crowd, but not like the NFL crowds be that thick, you know. So they well, they had it a was kind of better fans. than some NFL crowds. You know, LA, the the Wildcats have had a better chance than the Chargers. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, you know, I thought I thought they did a good job. You know, I really did. You know, it's definitely building something from scratch. You don't know none of these players. You don't know none of these coaches. Well, I shouldn't say you don't know the coach, but you don't really know who you're rooting for. And mm-hmm. for you to come and show up on faith like that and, and really try to get involved, I thought they did. I thought every president, all the staff did a good job, and hopefully they bring these guys back and just you know get us get us going and and and, and start off. I mean, you know, start where we left off. It's gonna. I have all the faith in the world and confidence that it's going to be a great league. Um, from Oliver Luck down to the lower guys actually making things run, it they it was almost too perfect on how well that league was set up, especially from just a, a resort league. It yeah. that was nothing like how it originally was. You know, right. um, I know, I know. There were some people that were kind of sad that they didn't have you know the the old style of. Uh, the kickoff, how you had like people ten yards apart running for the football. <laughs> somebody gonna get hurt. I'm sure somebody probably did get hurt. And another thing that kind of went unnoticed is a team nine too. We had a team nine. Yeah. Not, that pull players from. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people kind of know about that. So you want to explain that a little bit, um, just in case people uh, kind of forgot about it, maybe. Yeah, team nine was a situation where you had forty or fifty or so players that were just practicing. They were practicing in Dallas. They weren't on anybody's team at the time. We had to release some players, and then we had to give a list of who we thought were guys that should go to Team 9, you know. And uh, so, like, your very next best players, okay, they didn't make the team, but they right here, the next best player. And so you would send them Team 9. If anybody was to get hurt, you would know that you were going to have somebody that was in shape that you could pull from, whether that be offensive line and defensive line really didn't matter, whatever position it was. And I thought that was one of the more unique things, too. I had never heard of that before, you know, but that was Oliver Luck. He had did it before in Europe when he was, you know, running that league, and it was a smart situation. It was just smart. Everything mm-hmm. about it was smart. Well, uh, I lo- it's pretty much, um, we could call it a second-chance league, and then even had a second-chance team where we had guys that had the talent. Sometimes they get, you know, injured at the wrong time. Um, you know, just something goes wrong, or there's a yeah. really good team like Evan Houston and they're a great player, but that position that they're going for is just filled up. Right. So there's a lot right. of like reasons why people don't make NFL rosters for some of those right. reasons. A lot of time it's just, I guess, bad luck in, in a lot of cases. So it's nice to have that kind of, um, kind of backdrop in Team Nine where they could still play football, still collect um, a paycheck, and right. be right there just in case the team needs them. That was. Right. Very small. And, 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 the, and the thing about it was, it was going to be dispersed. I think, the I think the week that we were playing, we were going to get our guys back that we had sent down there. So, so uh, they was going to practice for six weeks or so. Then we was going to get all those guys back. I don't remember the details full in, but you know it was a smart situation. You know, and again, it just goes to show. You know, it's a lot of people want to play football. A lot of people love football. You know, and again, the talent level on all these teams are really good. I'm just telling you. So, well, there's a reason that um, kind of I guess uh, the the saying for the league was for the love of the game. You had that plastered everywhere. 
and that I don't know if you could really say it better that's exactly what the XFL was for and man I am a I was just I'm thrilled to have this time to talk because I I was a huge fan of the XFL it was a phenomenal league you guys are doing great things down there in Houston and um, me um, to, on the behalf of almost pretty much every single uh, lot of football fans of course every XFL fan is that we all got fingers crossed for 2021 that's just yeah. so, so we could watch it but for the players for the coaches like you yeah. for it to come back I have a lot of faith in it and man I just I can't wait to see the second return of the XFL happen <laughs> yeah me too I hope they stick around this time hopefully we don't have a pandemic and hopefully everything is in line man I, I completely agree my fingers crossed just like yours and uh, I'm looking forward to it I appreciate the time of course. Now, where we could find, uh, where can we find you on Twitter if we, if uh, some fans want to reach out and stuff like that? At Coach Bell XFL, um, that's my Twitter, and so I'm pretty active on it. I check it daily, you know. And again, if you're supportive of the XFL, it's like you support me, you know. And hopefully, and you're supporting the league, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, you follow me, I follow you. It don't matter. So, you know, I got love for, you know, I got love for everybody. So that's yeah. what. One last thing, that's what I love about the XFL. It's um, almost more, I guess, niche than the NFL. It's uh, It definitely feels like a entire community. It feels like um, the community you feel with a specific NFL team is what you feel league-wide. And, man, it was, uh, it's always cool to see uh, people walking around with XFL shirts and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, I see you, man, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know you'll walk up? around here in Houston with a with a Houston Roughnecks gear on. Like, man, you guys are so good. Like, they, they still want it. They still want their football, so hopefully – you know, again, well, this Kobe is going to back off of us, and, and we're going we gonna to get it going. I'm, I'm, I'm faithful. I have faith in it. We need to see the season come back just so we can see Houston win the championship that you guys rightfully deserve. Yeah, yeah. We're just going hey, to get it back going. We're going to get it rolling. Well, thank you, Coach. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the XFL. And, of course, best of luck to you. And we're going to get the XFL back. I have. 100% confidence on this. It, it's going to yeah. happen, you know. It's going to happen, right? Yeah, most thank, definitely, most definitely. Thank you for your time and thank you for your insight on the on the XFL. I know a lot of people have these questions about it and a lot of people just dying for more XFL content. And so mm-hmm. I thank you for bringing it to us. Yes, sir. No, 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 no problem, no problem. Thank you. Anytime.